and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we invite current and former students to talk about what life at Ipswich School is all about. We take a look at some of the opportunities beyond the classroom and ask what role our passions and interests play in shaping us as citizens. Today I'm talking to sixth former Anya about her experience as a National D of E Ambassador. Mr Ross, who runs our Duke of Edinburgh Award programme, encouraged Anya to apply because he felt that her commitment and focus would enable her to make a valuable contribution to the scheme and its many participants. Anya had already shown her leadership and organisational skills when she ran the Ethics and Philosophy Club for middle school, even through the pandemic. She holds a leadership role in the RAF CCF and plays hockey for the school. Hello Anya. Hi. So you're currently in year 12? Yes. And what, what are you studying? So I'm doing biology, chemistry, maths, further maths and PRE. Goodness me. Okay. <laughs> and have you got any idea yet what you want to do with that? Yeah, I want to go on and do medicine at university. Okay, very interesting. And so how long have you been involved with the Duke of Edinburgh scheme? So I started my DOV through Ipswich School in year nine and I've since completed bronze and silver and I'm now working towards finishing my gold award and I should be finished with that before I leave the school. Fantastic. And have you enjoyed it? I have very much enjoyed it. I've picked up so many great experiences just from doing the award and then the ambassadorship on top of that has brought really great reach. Tell me a bit more about this ambassadorship. So Mr. Ross suggested to me actually who runs the DOV at Ipswich School, he suggested to me that I apply for youth ambassadorship for the DOV. So that came through about May last year. And to apply for that, I had to answer some long answer questions and complete a video application. So I applied for that. And from that, the DOV picked 25 youth ambassadors from across the UK. So this includes from Northern Ireland, Scotland, and all around. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so, so it's just 25 of you across the whole of the UK. Yeah. So Brilliant. it lasts for one year. So yeah. this is with a class of 2022 to 23. And I'll finish about the same time next year, around June. So I'm about halfway through now. So have you met the other, the other 24? Yeah, so we do bi-weekly Zoom meetings mm. and we do workshops and things in these. So I've met virtually most of them. And when we have in-person events, the aim is to get as many of the ambassadors there as possible. So I've met about half probably in-person events that I've attended in the past few months. Are they all very different? Are they very similar? What, what, what are the other 24 like? No, the group is definitely really diverse. There's a whole range of different demographics, different races, different ethnicities, all this. There's lots of different demographics. Different schools? Different, yeah, I mean, just all from different schools. I'm intrigued, Different really. economic backgrounds, everything. There's a whole range of ambassadors. I think that was part of the aim when selecting the ambassadors. They mm. wanted to create a diverse group of people because essentially the ambassador team, well, we are given a platform and on that platform, we have the ability to represent the youth voice. So to represent the youth voice successfully, we must be a diverse group. Okay. What unites you? Are you, are you all very confident? Are you very alpha? What's, is there anything? No, there's, there's definitely a huge range, actually, even in terms of how outgoing yeah. we are. Yeah. So we're a group of DOV participants, essentially. Mm. That's the thing that brings us all commonly together. Some people have completed all the awards. Others might just be doing their bronze and working through it. We're all at different stages of the process. But everyone's age 16 to 25, the age of the DOV participation yeah. and just united by the fact that we want to help make a difference on behalf of the youth of the United Kingdom. That's, that's great. So really interesting that actually it's a complete different mix of people across all different areas. That's fantastic. Thank you. So when you were doing the form, what sort of things were they asking you? So the form was talking about why do I want to make a difference? What sort of issues do I want to address? What sort of issues do I think affect young people today? So I talked about things like mental health and the yeah issues of how young people's mental health is being now addressed but how we can do this more successfully and looking at inequality postcode lotteries things like this addressing issues like this so we had to talk about our passions and 
how we feel we could address these as youth ambassadors. So do you think for the youth of today, it sounds really cliched, but I'm just going to use it anyway. So do you think that mental health is sort of front and foremost, one of the things to address? Absolutely. I think we have definitely made a lot of progress in recent years towards acknowledging that we have maybe fallen short of looking after young people's mental health. But I think there's a lot more work to be done. And I think having youth input on how to address the issue of youth mental health is really important because often we'll just take the perspectives of those who aren't necessarily experiencing it themselves. Right. So you've you've submitted your ambassadorship application. You've been selected. That's amazing. Congratulations again. Thank you. Now, you've been to several really high profile events. Let's start with the first one. So that is that the Youth Charter? The Commonwealth Games. Event. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a bit more about that. So in August, all the ambassadors were offered the opportunity to attend the Commonwealth Games. As a part of this, we first attended the launch event, which was hosted at PwC headquarters in Birmingham. And we attended and listened to speakers from Youth Charter who were co-hosting the event with the DOV. And we essentially learned about the importance of encouraging young people into sport, which is really at the heart of the DOV's aims through the physical section of the award. And Youth Charter aims to do the same because it's so important for young people's physical and mental health to be part of sporting activities. So we then got to attend the Commonwealth Games. We watched the boxing. And it was a really great opportunity for all the ambassadors, firstly, to meet in person. Yeah. And there were also many tickets offered out to DV participants from across the country to attend the same, to encourage young people into sport. Yeah. So you learned at this, at this event about the connections between sport and mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And the importance of how we can encourage young people into sport by events such as the Commonwealth Games. So we were lucky enough to be hosting the Commonwealth Games this year to have that and have young people from across country witness that and be able to sort of feel the atmosphere of sport it really helps to encourage people into sport I believe I see I've got it so actually we can just get more young people involved in sport of any type then that's that will have a net positive effect on our young people's mental health absolutely brilliant thank you so then you've been to a department of education conference is that right so this is after you said so the commonwealth games mm-hmm. What's this one about? Right, so this was a workshop I was invited to attend. It was a small group. It was eight people, I think. And it was collaborative effort between the NCS Trust and the DOV. So the CEOs of both organisations were present. And we had two ambassadors there and another youth representative, as well as two members of the Department of Education who dropped in to give their input. We were essentially discussing the importance of enrichment within education and how enrichment can be incorporated into education in such a way that receiving enrichment as part of education is not a postcode lottery and it's not affected geographically by where you are because that's what we tend to see now. Mm. So we were discussing that and how we can potentially incorporate certain quotas for having enrichment as a part of education into manifestos of different parties running for elections and how this can be put into policy to prevent the imbalance of enrichment being yeah. delivered. So when we say enrichment, we're talking about co-curricular, we're talking yeah. about all the activities that say you do you exactly. do here, and it's yeah. about uh, equalising that through the country. Exactly. Okay. From your experience, what enrichment activities have you been involved in at school? So I've been very fortunate. I have been part of the CCF since year 10, and yeah. I'm now an NCO at, in the CCF. I've been playing hockey since I was eight years old, so I'm still mm. doing that. And... I play flute. I've been part of music groups at the school as well since 
quite a young age. So do you get involved in the orchestras and the ensembles? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been part of the orchestra for quite a few years, taking a break at the minute, but I have yeah. been playing hockey for the school and for county many years but that started from school I started playing here at the prep when oh. I was eight years old <laughs> so, so that's how you discovered actually that yeah. so, so school introduced you to hockey yeah and then that's carried on through school and beyond and, and outside of school that's okay. what it is yeah mm -hmm. and CCF what do you enjoy most about that I really enjoy the progression through CCF so obviously in year 10 and 11 we are cadets I was a cadet in the RAF section of the CCF from that it was very much learning new skills and it's not necessarily the skills the literal skills that you mm. learn such as I don't know sharpshooting how to build different things it's not necessarily that that you get the most out of it's the skills that are being strengthened in the background the leadership you're learning from doing command tasks yeah. it's the teamwork you're learning from doing physical activity things like this that developed in the background that I found really beneficial yeah. in other ways as well and now going in, like in year 12 and year 13 I'm an NCO in the RAF so that means that I now lead the activities for the cadets below us so the years 10 and 11 I've definitely learned a lot okay. <laughs> over the first few weeks. I've been now NCOing for almost one term. Yeah. And it's definitely, you can see your progression as a leader. You can see how you're learning different management styles over people who you're not, there's not very much of an age gap. I work with year 11 cadets. Yeah. I'm only six months older than some of them, mm. but you definitely learn how to manage people better. So Mr. Morgan says you're doing a fantastic job. He says that um, you're very organised and you think a lot and you prepare really well. So bearing that in mind, what did you learn? What did you get wrong to start with when you were being an NCO? I think I definitely found it very difficult managing behaviour in a classroom, especially I found the lack of age gap very difficult. We have made progress. Um, it's getting a lot easier. I think as weeks go by, you also get to build your own reputation. And by building that reputation of being someone who knows what they're doing, it definitely helps with being in that position of power because okay. they understand why you're in the position of power. So I think there's definitely that. I mean, I suppose this is all just great learning for when you're going to work because when you're going to work, you're going to be the same age as people that you're managing. That's yeah. just, just mm -hmm. the nature of work, isn't it? Yeah. You'll, you'll probably be managing people who are older than you yeah. at some point. So that is quite a good learning skill. There's definitely transferable skills being learned, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so and how how did you manage behavior? Were you did you shout? No, so that's not really my management style. <laughs> I I think we tried sort of just disciplining them. It didn't work yeah. so well with the CCF. It's very much about teamwork. So you have to lead by example. Okay. We would join in with them when we're yeah. teaching drill. I will join in, I will fall in and give an example of how I would do it myself and then step back, take a step back and spectate and it helps I think, I mean, we also offer sweets as rewards. That, it doesn't not help. <laughs> okay, so positive, so yeah, positive so reinforcement. That's what it is. I absolutely. like it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, that well, that's, yeah, that's it works. Really good to know. So sweets work. What have been one of your best sessions where you think, oh, I've, I've, I've that was really good. I'm really, really proud of that. Actually, just last week we made a lot of progress. So I was on drill. I've been teaching drill for a few weeks now. Last week I felt like there was a breakthrough. We have three flights, so we do three rotations throughout the afternoon. And I see different groups of people doing the same things. We've, from the start, had a very imbalance. There was definitely always one flight that just knew what they were doing. Yeah. Based on the random, randomized flights, it just happens that some happen to know what they're doing and others need a little bit more help. I saw so much progress in equalizing how those flights are doing and they're going to participate in a competition on Thursday. And I know that they all have a fighting chance, which was not the same at the beginning of term. 
That's brilliant. So it's nice to see progress. So we've been talking about enrichment and making a manifesto so that there's more enrichment across the board. I mean, what sort of enrichment activities did you talk about? So we talked about sport primarily, but yeah. also looking at things like things like cadets. We brought up those topics because the youth ambassadors who were there, we've had such experiences. We've been fortunate enough to see where mm -hmm. these things have been implemented successfully. So having that experience of seeing this has really helped me. We were able to bring that forward and say things like this would be really helpful. We talked about how to make quotas. It's not necessarily about different types of enrichment. It was looking at delivering enrichment at all because there are many schools across the country which aren't yet delivering very many hours mm. at all. And any sort of digression from the classic curriculum is yeah. really good for mental health. So we were looking at how we can implement quotas of a certain number of hours perhaps that have to be delivered per week, which reduces the imbalance mm. of enrichment being delivered. Did you, I and mean, this is a really difficult question, did you get any sense, looking into your crystal ball, did you get any sense that this will come to fruition, that this will happen in the years to come? I think there's definitely progress being made. Having the participation of the Department of Education there, even though it was a short input, mm. it was one session. We like we came out of the session with a certain set of points that are now going to be pursued and a certain list of ideas that are going to be presented for incorporation into manifestos of political parties, which will then go on to have a much greater impact should those political parties get into power. That's really encouraging. Absolutely. Hi. I'm intrigued. Is it, is it quite hard to speak up if, if you're in these conferences with all these sort of people who are much older than you, lots of people around? Is that, that must, must take quite a bit of confidence. Yeah, there was definitely nerves at the beginning, yeah. especially going into London to an office I've never been to before. Mm. It's a new experience. But I think having spoken to the class of ambassadors above ourselves, I've spoken to a couple of members who did it last year. They definitely said you have to take every opportunity with both hands. You have to appreciate the opportunities you've been given. The whole point of seeking the ambassadorship was to be given a platform to mm. represent the youth voice. And to do that, we have to step into situations that are less comfortable. So I've definitely stepped out of my comfort zone in the role so far. And I've only seen good outcomes. Yeah. Having done this, it's definitely nerve wracking seeing CEOs of two huge organizations in front of you, but they really appreciate listening to the youth voice. You've been invited to those conferences, workshops for a reason. They want input, so I think it definitely helps knowing that they requested your presence. And you've just got to make yourself do it, is what I'm hearing from you. That's exactly it. You have to take the step and do it because you're not going to get the same opportunity again. Mm -hmm. And nothing, I mean, and all positive, actually. Yeah. You, you speak up, you're heard, and it's actually appreciated. Absolutely. Really interesting. Thank you. Right, so can you tell me more about the third event that you've been to? This is the Youth Without Limits. Yes, so this was very exciting. This was very recent, actually. A couple of weeks ago... We, as ambassadors, as a group, we were invited to attend the DOV's first live event, the Youth Without Limits Live Beyond the CV event. So the purpose of this event was essentially to bridge the gap between education and employment. They brought forward a group of speakers and workshops to help bridge the gap. Mm. So there's definitely some things that, some skills that can't be learned or are not typically learned from schools. Yeah. And so it was living conferences on how to firstly value your DOV. A lot of people see the DOV as nothing more than a line on the CV. Okay. A line at the bottom of your CV saying you've completed the award. There are so many skills you learn and it was definitely really interesting to know how you can foster those skills and say how a they can be applied to careers in the real world. So we heard from speakers who've completed their DOV awards and how they've harnessed the skills they learned 
to become as successful as oh, they give, are. Give, give me an example. Who was, who, so who was your favourite? We heard from Ajaz Ahmed, who mm. actually set up his own company at the age of 21, I believe, AKQA. He's the CEO of that company. And it was really interesting to see how skills that we learn from things such as DOV convert to becoming so important in the working world. I think Ajaz didn't complete the award himself, but his children are now completing the award. Yeah. And the other speakers we heard from had completed the award and they definitely said the same skills that he needed to get as far as he did, they gained from doing their DOV award. And what skills in particular would you say? So there was definitely the team working aspect. Team working. Yeah, absolutely. That's a key part of the DOV, especially with the expedition. It's just an essential skill to develop. You can't complete an expedition, especially not at silver and gold, without working as a team. And that's not it. That's not the only thing. Leadership comes into it. Through your volunteering, you build confidence. A lot of a lot of the parts of the award, skills, physical, these can all incorporate leadership roles. Mm-hmm. So completing the awards gives you more confidence that is so important in the workplace. Yeah, so it's the confidence to sort of put yourself out, out of your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Which, again, they think contributes to workplace skills. Yeah, okay. there is definitely a lot of skills. That is one of them. Yeah, and leadership combined with teamwork. That's that's interesting. So can you not do an expedition and just have one person that knows what they're doing and everyone else just follows? I think maybe for bronze you could manage it. I don't okay. think it's going to be a fun experience. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to go particularly well because... It's not easy. Mm. There's You're spending three, four days, five even, for gold out in the wild. And camping is not something a lot of people are not comfortable mm. with. So you have to work as a team and you have to boost morale in your team mm. to keep going through those days. Because day one, fine, you're walking, but you have a heavy bag on your back mm. and you sleep and you're cold. And the next day you have to wake up and do it all over again. It's the doing it again that's so difficult unless you have some source of motivation. And I think a team's really important for that. So the team keeps you going. Absolutely. We all had to keep each other going. Any top any top tips for me? Top tips. Well, when you get lost, we got quite lost on our silver expedition yeah. on our second date. But honestly, it's just keeping going. We were singing music because we weren't mm-hmm. allowed um, music playing. Yeah. So we were singing and we were walking. And it's just about noticing when one member is struggling mm-hmm. and matching that we all knew we had to walk to a certain point we knew we had to get there but if you notice that someone's struggling at the back there's no point going on continuing and leaving that person behind because you all have to reach the point exactly you have to acknowledge that you're only as strong as your weakest member it sounds like a cliche but you are you have but it to, really does count absolutely you have to work as a team to get to that checkpoint because otherwise you're not all going to make it and that's not beneficial to you being split. Okay, that's really good advice. Thank you. Um, so tell me a bit more about the conference. Okay, so actually me and one of the other ambassadors from Northern Ireland, we mm. were asked to host the event. So we were given the opportunity a couple of weeks beforehand. We were messaged by our manager and he asked if we'd like to act as hosts. So this, we had a briefing meeting with the events organiser a week before the event. And we went over what she would like us to do. So she wanted us to introduce speakers and summarize what they've said, reflect on what they've said, what we've learned from it, and also to lead panel discussions. And I also led a fireside chat with the CEO of another company. So this was a huge step out of my comfort zone. I've never presented to such an audience before. We had an audience of 220 DOV participants from across the UK. And the event was also live streamed through the Duke of Edinburgh socials. So the audience was big, but... It was definitely a huge learning experience for both of us hosting and leading panel interviews and fireside chats. This is not something a lot of people can say they've That's done hard. at a young age. That's yeah, really so hard. So 
that was definitely a huge learning experience. So do you need to, do you need to be, what's the secret? Do you need to be prepared? Do you need to, what would you suggest if, if someone was about to do this? Preparation definitely helps. Mm -hmm. We were given a list of questions we'd be asking. And just while we were listening to speakers talk, I had a pencil in my hand. From that, if I was going up to reflect on what I just heard, I could make notes on what I was going to say. I think preparation definitely helped because I like to go into a situation knowing what I'm about to do. So the audience, I can speak publicly. I've learned to accept that. I don't yeah. have a huge issue with audiences, but I would not be comfortable speaking about something I wasn't. You, did, you didn't. You, I didn't know. Yes. If yeah. you felt you didn't know your, if you didn't know your no, stuff, you'd feel a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. yeah got mm -hmm. it. So it was the preparation that really helped okay. me. So, so you did yeah. your homework, you knew what you were going to ask, yeah. you prepared your questions. Mm -hmm. Did it go okay? It was really good. It was a really great experience. I mean, it was definitely not flawless, but for a first event and in front of such an audience, I think we definitely managed to learn a lot from it and deliver what was necessary. And what, what, what questions do you think were the most interesting? What, what provoked the, the sort of the most uh, interesting answers? Well, there were definitely questions. What do each of the speakers, what do you regret about what you've done in your career? There was questions, how has your DOV impacted your career? What skill did you learn in particular from doing the DOV that has had the greatest impact on your career? And I think a lot of the responses to that were, it's the resilience. It's the resilience you learn from DOV because you have setbacks. You have setbacks, especially on your expedition, but in all your sections, mm -hmm. you'll face setbacks. It's learning to bounce back from those and come back stronger, harder, better. That helps in careers as well, because you will face setbacks in the workplace mm -hmm. and in life. And you have to learn to bounce back from those. And you can do that with the support of a team, but it's also important to be able to do some element of that as an individual. So actually that's coming straight back to what you were saying about being on an expedition someone struggling and that's something that will transfer way beyond into your into your adult life and your career absolutely yeah. and that's so the most interesting thing that they they talk about is actually resilience and yeah. it's 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 the things that people get wrong yeah not mm -hmm. not the glory and the success yeah it's fascinating resilience. thank you so tell me a bit more about the other people there that the people that you were interviewing okay so we had a couple of CEOs of the company, COOs of companies. There was a lot of people who were successful in the workplace. We also had Anusha Hussein speaking, who's a Paralympic climber, I believe. And she has many health issues, but despite this, she has overcome so much adversity to go so far in her field as a professional climber that she is able to achieve amazing things that no one would expect of her. And she's displayed that resilience in her career, coming back from health setbacks and coming back to perform in incredible ways to achieve records in climbing. It was really interesting to hear from her actually. And it was really inspirational to hear that if someone can come back from such setbacks, we can too. Yes. So yeah. that was an important message yeah. we came away with. So really inspiring, but also just what an expansion of your horizons and just yeah. sort of a, a mm -hmm. walking in someone else's shoes. Thank mm -hmm. you. Are you also being trained in mental health first aid? Yes. So actually tonight, this evening, yes. I've got my first workshop. So I've we completed a two-hour mental health first aid workshop initially a couple of weeks ago as ambassadors as part of our bi-weekly meetings. So we completed that as a preliminary thing. And we learned about how to recognize signs of someone in mental health crisis in an emergency situation, how to recognize that and how to address these situations. That was very much a taster of the field. As a follow-up from that, we were given the opportunity to opt in for completing a 16-hour qualification in mental health first aid. So 
I opted in for this. I, mm-hmm. It's a field I find very interesting, especially yeah. being interested in medicine. Mm. It's something mental health that I'm passionate about and would like to be able to make a greater impact on. So across the next two weeks, I'm going to complete four, four hour sessions of a mental health first aid workshop to receive our qualification in mental health first aid. So I think it's a really great opportunity to be able to help those around us, being able to recognize where someone's not doing well Mm -hmm. and have poor mental health. And I think we should learn a lot from that. Yes, yeah. So we do offer that in sixth form here. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to my earlier question. So what, what do schools do well in terms of youth mental health? In my school experience, I have been at Ipswich School for quite a few years now. I think there's a lot of focus on a diverse, rounded education. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge contributor to mental health. Circling back to the uh, workshop on education and enrichment, I think enrichment, extracurricular activities are so important for mental health because it brings range to the day. Yeah. And not only that, I think obviously having pastoral support is so important. Having someone to speak to, having people in positions who will recognize if you're possibly struggling with your mental health I think that's really important and that's something we've had great experience Mm. of here but it's not available everywhere so I think that's something that should be more widely implemented having people trained in mental health first aid to recognize those who are struggling and to be able to help them so actually it's the support networks that that really count that you that you know you can go and talk to anyone and exactly it's the support networks are so important yeah so the enrichment's interesting because you've you've just done brilliantly in your GCSEs well done but they're very recent aren't they so are you saying to me then because I mean there's GCSEs is a lot to revise for to get ready for are you saying that enrichment so so the stuff that's non-GCSE is a good contributor to your welfare during during exams Absolutely. I placed a lot of importance on mental health through exam season. I always said I did not want to sacrifice any aspect of mental health for exams. I fully recognize that GCSEs are important, that they matter, but I don't think it's worth sacrificing mental health Hmm. to necessarily prioritize them to that level. So I think it's really important during exam season, leading up to exam season, still allowing elements of enrichment to be incorporated within your life having sport physical activity for those who like it is a great way to do Mm. that lots of people did some form of exercise while exam season was going on as did I and for those who don't finding some other form of escape whether it's going on a walk outside whether Mm. it's reading a book finding some level of escape from purely academics I think is really important and beneficial it'll help you long term because even if you're spending that much less time revising Mm. directly for your exams having that enhanced level of mental health will be equally beneficial yeah so it sounds to me actually it's self-defeating from what you're saying it's self-defeating just to sit there revising for exams that you that you will actually do better and feel better if you can build in build in breaks activity yeah I strongly back that right my last question it's the tricky one what advice would you give to your 11 year old self looking backwards oh it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to say that you'd say join Duke of Edinburgh because <laughs> no, I know no. that's what you're going to say absolutely. I think I would just reaffirm to my younger self to have more confidence to realize that when you're put into a situation perhaps beyond your comfort zone, you're there for a reason. You've been brought into situations because based off of your own merits, it's getting rid of that imposter syndrome almost. You're in a position because you've earned it. So I think it's embracing that and having confidence in those situations. I wish I'd started doing that 
from a younger age. I've mm. definitely learned to do that through my ambassadorship, but I think that's something that could have been implemented earlier on. That's really good advice. So you're basically saying, go for it. Just try something out yeah. of your comfort zone because there is a benefit. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen the benefits of that. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. So, well, Anya, thank you very much. That thank was really so interesting. <laughs> thank you. That's all for this episode. I've really enjoyed finding out more about the opportunities made possible through the DV Ambassador Programme. Thank you for listening. To listen to any of the other episodes, take a look at our website, ipswitch.school. The next episode's coming out soon, but in the meantime, don't forget to follow or subscribe, and we look forward to seeing you next time.